Welcome to another episode of the Dentology podcast where we discuss the business of dentistry. In this podcast series we'll be discussing all the non-clinical aspects of dentistry from goodwill values, finance, marketing, how to buy and sell a dental practice mindset through to where you can invest your money in team management issues. My name is Andy Acton and I'm joined by my co-host Chris Trevens. Let's jump straight into it. So welcome to the latest episode of Dentology, the Business of Dentistry podcast. And today our guest is Mahmood Morji. Mahmood is a dentist, a motivational speaker and a coach. Welcome, Mahmood. How are you? I'm awesome, man. Thank you very much for the invite. Uh, Good to see you, Mahmood. It's lovely to see you. It's lovely to see you. Uh, Just to start with, could could we just kind of roll back to the early years? Because we see this this super positive, highly motivated guy today. But what was was Mahmood like as a kid? You know, when you were running around in your shorts and kicking a football with your friends at school, what did Mahmood look like back then? Awesome. First, thank you very much. Uh, Thank you very much for that. You know, back in the day uh, when I was younger, I had this awful stutter. And I found it very hard to speak in front of people. So when I was around friends and that, I could speak pretty well. But when I was in front of people, like in front of more people, I had a very, very, very bad stutter. It influenced my childhood a lot. I didn't have much confidence when I was younger. People used to take the mick out of me a lot because I couldn't speak. Teachers used to pick on me as well and make me the guy who used to, who they wanted to speak in front of everyone because it made everyone laugh. And so um, I, I just thought that was going to be part of life. And I just learned to live with that, you know. I didn't have that much confidence when I was younger. Uh, I had some, and there were like those bouts where some days do better than others. Uh-huh. But generally, yeah, my starter held me back a lot. I didn't like I didn't like who I was when I was younger a lot, just because of the amount of bullying and all of that. And a lot of it came back to came back to my starter. And also, when I was younger, even now I've got a husky husky voice. And when I was younger, I looked at it in a very bad way. And so I, I was embarrassed by it, really. And and people would comment, "Oh, you've got a husky voice," and I'll take that in a very negative way and say, "Oh, have you got a cough?" And and I didn't like the way I sounded, didn't like the way I looked. And you know, from when I was younger, those things hit me a lot. And it's so funny, up, isn't it? I was gonna say yeah. people make those those little comments. It's, it might just be a one-liner mm. or something, and we carry it around in a backpack for the next 10, 15, 20, 30 yeah. years, don't we? It That's just sticks it's always us. nonsense, that phrase. Sticks and stones might yeah. hurt my bones, but words will never hurt me, and that's bollocks. Yeah. Words, words hurt you the words most. Words yeah. hurt you the most. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's how it's, it was. It's fascinating, isn't it? I, when, when you were saying that moment, I'd, I've, I've known you for a long time and I had no idea about that. Okay. And it just made me think of, do you remember that TV show where it was like up in Leeds or something and they were showing education and they got this young lad who, who was obviously like you. He couldn't speak in front of people. He had a terrible stutter and they got him to uh, his confidence and they got him to read something. And that if ever you can find it on YouTube. Uh, basically, the, the 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 audience is crying, the teachers are crying, the classmates are crying because he's overcome this this adversity. Yeah. It's, it's it's a very magical little clip of video on YouTube. But I, as soon as you were saying, I thought one, I never knew that. Two, you'd never know that. Okay. And three, wow, yeah. yeah. So what was the yeah. what, what was the thing was was there a moment was there an impetus did somebody um, draw to your attention the, the stutter that resulted in you wanting to make that change did the change come from within you did you see it as something that was holding you back I remember 
I remember once, and uh, and I talk about this on stage at the moment, that um, I had a teacher called Mrs. Edwards. She was my English teacher. I didn't like her much. She didn't like me much. And she, she used to be my English teacher as well. And like every uh, every few weeks, I used to be a knock on the door at school. And then she used to call me out because she was my speech therapist as well. And then um, everyone used to know that I used to have speech therapy. You know, when you're younger, you don't really want to stand out. You want to blend in, right? When you get older, you want to stand out. That's how it works. So, um, and then I remember, so because she was my English teacher as well, one day uh, we got in class and she shouted, my mood, start reading, you know, Shakespeare, page 42. And I opened the book and I started reading, but I couldn't. And I was like, uh, 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 like, which is what happens when you're nervous. And then everyone starts laughing in the class. And that day got really bad that I just ran out of class. I started crying. And I just ran out of school, went home. And I, I kind of made a promise. And I said, you know what? I'm going to find a way to get out of this. You know, back then, even now, if you type in how to get rid of a starter, it's impossible. Like doctors say that if you've had it for two years, you can't get rid of it. And so I had it my whole life. And so I didn't know what I was going to do. But that day, I kind of made a decision. And I said that if this start continues, I'd be going to the world with my hand out. And I never wanted to do that because I knew that it's not the way that I can become the person I want to be. But, so I planted the seed, but I didn't know what to do with it back then. And then like my whole journey after that was, how do I flip and get rid of this? And that's, that's kind of where everything started from. But yeah, but it, it was tough. I mean, it was, I don't I, I had a great childhood, you know, I uh, had a great time with family, you know, loads of friends and things like that. But inside me, there was a massive confidence thing, massive thing that, you know what, the star was holding me back, my voice, all of that. And it's only now it's become my power, it's become my gift. Mm. But to be honest, Mahmood, I think well, there's lots of people that live their lives like that. Lots of people present an external projection of how they are, but they don't necessarily feel that confident in themselves. And when you see somebody who has genuine confidence in that they're confident in who they are, what they stand for, what they're about, you know, their, their, their skills and their knowledge, mm. it's, it's, it's really, it's a really nice thing to see. It doesn't happen in many people. I don't think your, your upbringing, it, it was extraordinary in some ways, but not in others. In I think lots of young people just, just don't really know where they fit. They don't have that confidence yeah. and, and it builds over time. I think for me, the remarkable thing is you, you describe a picture of a, of, of a kid that I can't even begin to imagine when I see you today. You yeah, know, somebody sure. who will, you know, bounce on stage and, and, and motivate an audience. So this kid in his shorts who w was unable to speak without stuttering, it just shows that anyone who says you can't change, it's confidence yeah. and you can. And there how, is not, how long did it change. take you to overcome your stutter moment? So what happened is, so um, in 2016, my life took a massive shift. What happened is um, I lost one of my practices. So um, I lost a practice that cost me about half a million pounds. That was, um, that I was going to sell that practice that year. And then um, I, I lost that. It was a massive tendering process, things like that. And what happened is that that sent me back. And so that's kind of all I had back then. And when that happened, it kind of put me in a downward spiral. And the person I went to for the help at that point was my father. And, you know, dads always have the right thing to say at the right time, right? Always. So I, I remember a conversation with my dad and my dad said three very important things to me on that day. He goes, look, Mahmood, number one, never give up on your goals. He said, number two, never stop serving people, right? So just because something's happened to you, don't stop helping other people. Because I used to love helping people. And he said, number three, you don't understand now, but the dots connect looking back. They never connect looking forwards, right? We've all had things in our lives which have happened. And at that point, we thought it was crazy. But then later on, we realized how lucky we were to go through that because that's what grew us. So at that point, I couldn't understand. I didn't understand what all that meant. So my dad gave me a book to read. And it was a, it was a book called Habits 101. So I went home and I read that book. And what that book showed me is that there's, there's the uber successful people, right? The 1% of the 1% of people. 
And the way that they become successful, it's not, it's not like, it's just one thing. And one thing that they will have in common is that they do something every single day, early in the morning, it's normally related to their health. And I said, look, I haven't got anything to lose right now. So what I did is I started that. So I started running every day, early in the morning, between 5 and 6 a.m. when everyone's asleep. And it was horrible, right? London, January, okay, 2016. It was just horrible. But, yeah. but what I realized is that the running gave me some me time. It allowed me to think about myself. Allowed me to. It didn't give me a solution, but it allowed me to cope, right? Very different. And then what happened after that is, you know, I, I felt that I could cope with anything. I felt that I could um, cope with the loss of my practice. And I knew there was a way forward. I didn't know what it was, but I just knew there was a way forward. And fast forward in May, uh, my, my father passed away. And the, the way same, that I... In the same year? Same year, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. a few months after that. And the way that I coped with the death of my father was the fact of my running, that the running kept me going. And so when I looked back, the dots connected perfectly, right? That if I didn't lose my business, I'd have never found my coping mechanism. But because of my father died, who was a rock of my life, the running helped me cope with his death. And when he passed away, the two massive, massive takeaways which came for me were number one, that my dad was happy when he died. Like he told us he was going to die that day and he died two hours, two hours after he said he would. And he was happy. And he did everything he wanted to do. And me, I was slipping miserable, right? You know me from back in the day. Okay, I loved dentistry for the first seven years. For the other seven years, I hated it. We were always talking about how to get out and what yeah. I can do and things. We've had those conversations, right? Yeah, yeah. And I was, I was unhappy. I was really unhappy, but I didn't know what else to do because I was a dentist. And, yeah. and that's all I knew what to do. And it's like, what do I do? I wanted to be able to speak, inspire, help. But the starter held me back so much. I didn't know what to do. And so that's, that, that's when my life shifted on that day. That journey started was, look, I want a day when I can die and I can be happy and I've left my mark. And at the moment, if I die now, it's been a waste of a life. That's how I felt it. Mm -hmm. And so that's the day when everything shifted for me was that day. Wow. wow. So going back before we kind of get into the, what you're doing now, obviously you were a dentist, you, you've, you've had practices, you, you're no longer in practice now. But um, did you choose dentistry? Did, did dentistry <laughs> choose you? Did, <laughs> yeah. Have you got, have you got his family yeah, heritage? Is there, is there family history? Was there, was there pressure There's to get into nothing dentistry? Medical. There's no med like when I wanted to do dentistry, my dad took me to uh, one of our family friends, a dentist. He said, "Don't do dentistry <laughs> whatsoever." He goes, "Don't." I'm like, "Do you know what? That makes me do even more." Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and um, so um, my dad was in insurance, and my dad was in sales. And so my dad said, "Why don't you take over the family business?" I'm like, "No, that's not what I want to do." And so that closed that down. And so now I went to uh, dental school. But the reason I went there was for two reasons. Number one, well, number one, I wanted to be a doctor. But I didn't want the life that a doctor had. I didn't want mm. the late nights. Mm. I wanted, you know, I wanted to start a family early. I wanted kids early and things like that. So I didn't want that life. So I chose dentistry for two reasons. Number one, because of the respect it gives you, because everyone's like, oh yeah, you're a dentist. And number two, because of the money mm. that I, yeah, that back then I believe that dentists do make a lot of money. Yeah, compared to in my mind, what was a lot of money back then? And it was, yeah, so that's the reason which drew me into dentistry. But did I want to do dentistry? No. I enjoyed the theory part of it so much. I didn't really enjoy the clinical part, but you know, I'm blessed with a good pair of hands. And as I came out, you know, done some great work, great clinics, great patients. Yeah, I did everything. But I got bored of it. Oh my God. Yeah. Got bored. I'd imagine so you're a, yeah, the, the bits you enjoyed were talking to people. I love that part. I loved meeting. I loved meeting the different types of people. So yeah. I used to work, you know, from Harley Street to Canary Wharf, and I used to like the board of Barclays and, you know, CEOs of businesses, and sitting down and having chats with those type of people about what they've achieved, how they've achieved it. Like for me, that was everything. Hmm. And then it was like, okay, can you lie back? And it's like oh, flipping on. I've got two hours of this. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. so, so for where we are now, you you obviously had this 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 moment in business where you know it felt like your world was crumbling. 
Uh, your father obviously gave you great words of wisdom, the massive trauma of then losing your, your father. And there's a theme, and you, you're probably aware of um, Brony Ware, the Australian nurse who wrote the book, The, the Top Five Regrets of the Dying. And yeah. for you, it, it felt like you didn't want to keep doing what you're doing because you weren't happy and you knew there was a better life for you going forward. But was there a moment when you literally stopped and thought, I can't keep doing this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to become a global motivational speecher, speaker and a coach. Was it, was it a segue like that? Or was there just a process that you went through while you worked out what you wanted to morph into? Great question, right? So the way it happened is yes and no on that. Number one, did I know what I was going to do now? No way. How did I fall into it? It was um, 2016, my father passed away. And then what I, um, what I realized then is that um, I was driving down the road. And you know, sometimes when you're looking for something, you find the answer. There's a great quote saying, when you're ready, the teacher appears, right? And so I knew that I wanted to get out of it, but I didn't know what I was going to do. And as I, was, as I was driving down the road, walking down the road at some point, I remember seeing this quote by Gandhi. And what the quote by Gandhi said is that you'll find yourself when you lose yourself in the service of others. And I loved that quote. And you know, it hit me hard and it gives me the chills right now talking about it. That what that made me realize is that the way that I really find myself is when I give something to someone, which I love myself. And so I realized, what is it that I can do? What am I great at? And it wasn't the dentistry, but I knew I was good at that, but that's not what, where I wanted to go. So I realized what I'd learned in the everyday running, the mental focus, the mental tenacity that gave me, I said, what if I could teach that to people? And so then I said, what if I put together a class, a fitness class where I can teach people how to do this? So that's, so that's what I did. So, so I put together a fitness class of 15 people. Um, I put it in my community when I put it out there. Like, you know, it's this Asian community. People said, no one's going to be interested in running, right? No one Asian's not interested in health. I'm like, and then they said, look, you won't get 15. You'll probably get five. And I said, you know what? I don't even mind if you don't get five as long as we get one. Because I live by this thing where, you know, maybe you can't change the world through one person, but you can change the world for one person. Mm-hmm. So he was like, look, if, if I can change the world for one person, that's cool. Like, I'm good with that. So I started that up. And at the same time, I heard this great story about King Arthur. And what this story about King Arthur was, is back in the day, King Arthur sitting on this round table with all his knights. And he goes to, and okay, this is in England, right, in the forest. And he goes to his knights, go and find the Holy Grail. And they're like, what do you mean? And then he raised his voice. He said, go and find the Holy Grail. They're like, you know, King, we don't know what you mean. What is the Holy Grail? King Arthur said, look, each and every one of you have your own Holy Grail in your life. For some of you, maybe your marriage. For some of you, maybe money. For some of you, maybe whatever it may be for you. But everyone has their own Holy Grail. And then they said, oh, King, well, how do we go and find that? And what he said was fasting. He said, look, go to the darkest part of the forest and start looking there. And that story went straight in me, right? And what did that mean? It means that if you want to grow, if you want to find your holy grail, you've got to go to the darkest parts of your life. Right? So for and most people, they don't want to go to those parts. They close them up. They don't want to talk about the things they don't want to talk about. They've closed them up. But that's where your gold lies, right? Back in the day, you know, remember we used to see these uh, cartoons of dragons, right? The, the, the treasures behind the dragon, the dragon beats the fire. You've got to get behind. You've got to, you know, you've got to get through the hardest part to get to the treasure. So for me, my treasure was behind the dragon. The hardest, the darkest part of my life was speaking. So I said, there's 15 people who I'm, who every week I'm getting, I'm teaching to get fit. What if I give them a talk? I said, maybe that's where my gold lies. So I started giving them a talk. So I used to give them a pump talk um, for 10 minutes every Sunday when I used to meet them. But it used to take me eight hours on a Saturday to prep a 10-minute talk for a Sunday. 
And I did that for one year nonstop, every single week. Right. You know, my family was like, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, this is something I've got to do. I have no idea where it's going, but I know it's going to go somewhere. And was, I had that, was, that, was that your first step forward into public speaking, talking yeah. to that group? That was the first yes. time you'd spoken to a group of people? First time. I'd done a bit of public speaking before, yeah. but I remember standing up in front of a lot of people and the words wouldn't come out. And then I stopped. And, and, and so this was it. And then everything, every time I went out there, I recorded it. And then I started putting on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook and other people. I remember people. seeing them on YouTube, yeah. actually. Back in the day, right? Yeah. yeah. And other people started watching it and they started calling it. And then that, that's how the journey opened up. So, Interesting. I, I think the thing for me as well is that, so you did this and you did your exercise and you got this class, but at this point you still also owned a dental practice as well. Yeah. Yep. What, I mean, I think the phrase sort of balls of steel comes to mind. You sold your dental practice to pursue what has turned into your new life. For lots of people, that they would just see that as being a, a, an outrageous risk to step away from a profession, you own a business, you have a life. Regular and, income. Yeah, <laughs> all the things that kind of people often crave in their life. And suddenly you're like, I tell you what, I've got a, I've got a better plan, I've got a better idea, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to move away. How did you kind of get from, from where you were to where you are? What was the, the thought process? Because I'm sure lots of people looking at it and think, that just, I, I couldn't do that. That just feels like a step too far. But you obviously did it. You know, Malcolm X gives a great quote and he, he said, what you don't hate, okay, you will begin to tolerate. And so for me, I feel a lot of people right now, they don't hate something enough to let go of it. Because when you really begin to hate something, you let go. Otherwise, you're holding on to it. Yeah. A lot of people are just, you know, happy being unhappy along the way. And for me, it got to a point where this was now 2018. So I'd started speaking in various places. You know, people started paying me to speak. It wasn't a lot. I'd started coaching people bit by bit. And I was charging a little bit. And I could see a bit of traction. And the place where it came to a head is that I was going into the practice. I remember it was 8.27. I'm always late in my practice, right? Because that's, <laughs> I never enjoyed it. I was always, and, and then I was always turning up late. And this was my clinic, right? So, I, uh, so the, the night before, we were at hospital because my aunt, we found out she had pancreatic cancer. And so uh, she was kind of on her, on her last days. So mom's sister. And then so we were there on the Wednesday night in hospital. And the Thursday night, I'm driving into work. And my mom calls me. And my mom said, Mahmood, you know, aunt's passed away. And you know the first thing which went through my head that day, at that moment, is it's not, oh my God, I've lost my arm, but it's that, do you know what? I don't have to go into work tomorrow because I've got the funeral to go to, right? <laughs> wow. Wow. And that day was that day when I said, this is, I cannot live this kind of life anymore. Mm. And that's the day when that was it. I said, I'm out. And, and I went to my business partner that day after work and I said, I'm out. And said, look, I'm selling or you buy me out, one of the mm. two. And, and that was it. And that's the day that shift happened. And do you think that there's a lot of people out there then who are 80% towards where you ended up, but they always just end at a point of tolerance. They don't get yeah. to the point of hate. So yep. they just have a life which they're not particularly pleased or enamored mm. with, but actually the push isn't, isn't strong enough. It's easy. To, 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 to make a, a significant change. Make a yeah. Yeah. Make yeah. A change. Yeah. The amount of dentists right now who are part of my circle, I'm coaching right now, who are unhappy, but they don't hate it. It's phenomenal. It's huge. And do you know what? They're going into every work. They're, they're going into every day at work, not happy. And it's like, you know, my thing is, I can find your gift. I can find what you're made for. And I can build that into a business for you. And I can show you how you can earn flipping more than you can going into the clinic. Or I can show you a way where you can be happier. The industry, most people think they need to leave. But a lot of people, they don't mm. need to leave. They just need to be happier. Mm. Yeah, need to readjust yeah. their focus. Yeah. Don't they? And I think that's, the, that's a really important one, actually. Oh, yeah. You don't have to, you know, 
jack everything in and go and live in a mud hut in Papua New Guinea to find yourself. You can actually do it where you are, but you need to mm. find yourself and work out yeah. what your what your grail is, what your yeah. what your goal, what is. your gift is. Yeah. Like everyone, I truly believe each and every one of us has a gift. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And the journey of life is to find it. And I think the sad thing is, we obviously deal with lots of dentists at the end of their career when they're looking to to sell their practice. And time and time again, people say to us, the bit that they still enjoy is the patient interaction. They enjoy the clinical dentistry. Mm. They enjoy talking to the patient, hearing their stories, you know, improving their their health, their well-being, their life, their smile and all that. It's all the other stuff. It's the business that kind of goes Mm. with it. And I guess dentists are, are highly skilled technicians which isn't a, a, a natural thinking of you. That's not a natural segue into becoming a motivational speaker. So you've obviously been a dentist and now you do what you do and you, you, you coach businesses. Uh, which, which is more fulfilling? Well, the, uh, which part was the, the, the dentistry? What yeah, the dentistry. Were, there, were, there, were there elements of dentistry that you really miss? Um, no. Or, or do, no. is it a complete Nothing. shift and you're happy to have that in your past? I don't miss the dentistry at all. I don't miss it at all. And I'm happy to, I don't miss it at all. Yeah. Um, see, one of the things which you said about dentists are highly skilled people. See, I look at it in a different way, right? Everyone I know who's gone into dentistry has gone in because they care about people and the story, right? We're part of the caring profession. And that's what we're told at uni, that we're part of the caring profession. We come out and we're put in a flipping box like we're in prison. Sometimes there's no windows in there and it's not about people. You don't even have time to talk to them. Right. When you're on the NHS mill, number one, you don't have time to talk to people. It's all by numbers. Right. Uh, you get paid so little, which means that, you know, like your your confidence just gets it just whacks it out of you. And, you know, you don't value yourself anymore because when, you know, when you've learned something for five, six years and then you do a filling and you get paid like 20 quid for it, it's like, really? I could have more in Tesco's. And then it's like you lose what you actually went in for. And for me, that's why a lot of people become disheartened early on. So there's two. So either look after people who are at that end or the other end who really want to smash it and are doing so well. And in this end, what it is, is, yeah, people are unhappy because they came into the profession for a different reason. Mm. And lost yeah. and lost their their love for it, really, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, because they're not doing what they wanted to do. They'd mm. love to be able to have one patient in the chair, sit and talk to them, treat them, give them the options, mm. right, which they need, and they do the best quality dentistry. Mm-hmm. People would be happy. And when you take people through the process, are there people who are better informed, you know, heightened levels of confidence? They can see a way to make a significant change, but they just don't quite have that that within them to make the change that's needed do they kind of go i get it all however when push comes to shove is it really that bad and do they just kind of keep treading that that trodden path or do people generally really step up and step out and do something significantly different by the time they come to me they're ready for change Mm. i mean all that stuff happens before and then when they pick up the phone they send that dm it's like mahmoud i need you What would you you say the typical run-up is? Because we have a thing that when people come to us to sell their dental practice, quite often they could have been thinking about it for anywhere between three months and two years before they pick up the phone to us. Is that similar in your world? Have people been carrying this this baggage around with them for a long time before they start to have a conversation with you? I think most people think they can brush it off. I think most people think they'll go on holiday, you know, they'll change practice. And then they try all of that and they realize things aren't getting any better. And then it's, yeah. Married yeah, again. Yeah. yeah. And it's like a lot of people, I remember I've been watching you for a year and I decided, I'm not, why are you waiting for a year? It's like, it's just what it is. 
But there are some people who like, I've had people call me and say, Jerome Mood, I need you now. Otherwise I'm going to do something really bad. And it's like, okay, cool. So it's like everyone waits until that tipping point. And we're all like that, right? Yeah. And, you know, we all wait until, until that point. Yeah, it's, we're last minute or people generally mm. in life. Yeah, yeah. That's true, isn't it really? Because I suppose if you weren't, then you'd be in control. Yeah. <laughs> because there needs to be that final thing that says, you know, flip, it's broken or flip, I need a change or something's going to happen. Because if you planned it yourself, then you'd be in control. So therefore you probably wouldn't feel like that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, I, I really do feel that each and every one of us can wake up every morning being happy, having a spring in our step, being up at four, five, six a.m., whatever, and mm. just being happy and loving life. I really do believe that all of us can do that. Mm. But how many of us are willing to give up what we have now in search for that? That's the question. Mm. And I think in many ways, you know, people, you know, just sort of bringing it back to kind of money. You know, I'm a firm believer. I don't think it really matters what you earn. I think it's what you spend. And yeah. I think for so many people, they get to a stage in their life where they've built this world around their business, their income, whatever it might be. And it's their spending that means they have to keep doing what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And lots of people just find themselves in this kind of vicious circle yeah, where they can't yeah. really afford to change anything because it's just kind of a, a machine that's feeding itself. And for lots of people, just stepping out and doing something different, which is why I come back to your point, yeah, your situation where you know you sold your business, you stepped out. And I guess at that point you had a pot of money that over a period of time was going to diminish and this needed to work for you. You, had know, one you, year. Had, to go, you had to go all in. Uh -huh. I had one year. Um, when I saw my share of the practice, I had enough money to keep my family going for one year. That's it. And if I didn't make it work in one year, I'd have been back in dentistry. Yeah. And and then the first thing I did is, you know, I was speaking in LA um, and I met a I met a coach in the room and he was charging a million euros to coach people. And that and that and that blew me because I'm like, right now, I'm like charging this much. And well, how do you know there was no I just did because normally like you go in, you do a crown or an implant, you get paid X amount, right? Yeah. But how how can you put a value on your time? Yeah, that's yeah. different. How do you right? value yourself? Yeah. Yeah. And this guy values himself a million euros to one person. I'm like, wow, I, I need to be around you. So he ended up coaching me, not at a million, but he, but he coached me in a group and everything my father left me in my inheritance, I paid him. Okay. And he taught me that my biggest problem was my attachment to money. And he basically beat that out of me. And one of the best coaching I ever got from him was the fact that he let go of that attachment to money, which I had. And that allowed me to grow and allowed me to fly. But yeah, I had one year to live. And if I didn't, if I didn't make it work in that one year, I'd have been back in dentistry, back to zero. That's mm. quite that's quite a smart sales tactic, isn't it? To to, to teach people that they shouldn't be so attached to yeah, money. Exactly. So you give, it the, to me. you give the money to me and then you're not attached to it. I've got it. <laughs> but it, it clearly worked though, didn't it? You, just, you, made, you made an investment in yourself. And um, would you say that was that was critical in the shift from where you were back then to how you valued yourself and how you've developed your proposition? If I did, like, so if you talk on a financial level, right, like I'm earning about 15x compared to what I did in dentistry, right? Like, you know, uh, 15x what I used to earn then, maybe even 20x to yeah. what I used to earn in dentistry. And a lot of the people I've taken on the journey, they five, six, seven, 10x what they used to make in dentistry. And these are, and these are principles and all sorts, right? Mm -hmm. And the thing is, one of the biggest things which I find is that, yeah, we have an attachment to money. We do. And a lot of us, like, you know, it, we don't, and the, the system of dentistry sometimes, it just devalues us when it comes to money. So at that point, that was, yeah, one of the biggest, biggest lessons I learned. That for me, like every kind of thousand pounds I'd get, I'd hold on to us, my savings, the mortgage account or this or that. 
But for me, it's like, you know, when you learn to let go of it, 10 times more comes back. Or when you put it in yourself, when you can like, like what it like, how much can you value yourself? It's, it's a, it's a, like, I always say like life isn't linear. You can learn in one day what will take other people maybe 20 years to learn. And it was those one days, that one day which changed everything for me. It was like, yeah. And do you know when you're around people who are playing a much bigger game than you, you raise your game? Yeah. So being around people like that allowed me to see a bigger picture about where I could now come in and help people like me so no one has to go through what I went through. Mm. It's fascinating, isn't it? it is that, fascinating. That, 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 that encounter with that guy. And, and when you went to Los Angeles, this was within your first year, you were funding that, you were needing yep. to, you know, basically. So that kind of commitment and belief in yourself that you can make it work and it's, and it's worth the investment. And investing. Andy, I used to, I used to sit outside my practice crying, not wanting to go in. It was that bad. Right. So like I had no other choice. I'd have rather gone to Tesco's. I'd rather worked in Tesco stacking shelves. And I was very good at what I did, but I just, I, you know, one of the biggest value systems we have inside ourselves as humans is we want to be able to grow, mm. right? We want to grow and then be able to contribute beyond ourselves so that we can leave something for people when they're not around. Mm. For me, I wasn't growing. Like, you know, some of the dentists I'm with, they love what they do and that's hats off to them and they're growing so much and they're adding impact and they've got academies and they're mentoring. Brilliant. Great stuff. But for me, I felt like I wasn't growing. I was stuck. Mm. I was stagnant. Like I had a glass ceiling. Every day I used to go in and I used to have this conversation with God in my head saying, do you know what? I'm so thankful for putting me here, but I don't want to be ungrateful, but I need you to get me out of here. Mm. And it's that constant battle in my mind that, you know, grateful versus contentment. Where do you sit? And people used to go to me, Mahmoud, man, you're motivating people. Motivate yourself to get back into work. I'm like, oh, you got a point, right? Like, why isn't this happening? Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, and there's like that, that constant thing. And a lot of people, like, sometimes you just got to take the jump because if you don't jump, the parachute doesn't open. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, but it took my aunt to die, my dad to die. Like, it took all of these crazy, losing the practice, took all of these crazy things for me to say, okay, fine, I'm going to take the jump. So what if I could have done that without that? Now, oh, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. And clearly, from a fulfillment point of view, dentistry mm-hmm. didn't work. You found the thing that, that's working for you now. What what opportunities has has this new world for you opened up that you never you never thought were possible. Yeah, when you embarked on this this journey of, of you know being a motivational speaker and a coach and a mentor on these things, what what things have happened in your world since then that you kind of have to pinch yourself and go, did that really happen? Oh, you know, the biggest thing, like money aside, right? Not my, like um, putting money aside. What this has allowed me to do is actually change people's lives. Mm. Like, you know, every day when you get messages from people saying you've actually changed my life, right? You know, like, that, that's awesome. And when you turn up somewhere and people want to meet you and take photos with you and, you know, they want to sit down and have coffees with you and speak to you, like, you know, that's, that's amazing. That's, that, that's a great gift. Mm. Yeah, to be able to meet great people from around the world, like, you know, uh, Friday, I've got to talk with Gary Vee in London and, yeah. you know, in the US, uh, you know, meeting people like the, your co-founder of Apple, Steve Wozniak and Mel Gibson, and all these other people, right? It's allowed me to meet people who possibly I'd have, ne- I'd have never met in my life. Mm. And it's allowed me to say, so my, my goal in life has been to be a billionaire, but that's not to earn a billion pounds, it's to touch a billion lives. Yeah. And for me, it's like, you know, this podcast over here will help us get out to thousands of people. And for me, that's helping me get towards where I want to go. Yeah. The ROI is in money, the ROI is impact. And for me, I want as many people to be impacted by what I went through so they don't have to go through that. That's it. They don't have to come to me in my course, nothing like that. Mm. I just want them to know that the biggest regret in life is, you know, number one, like living by someone else's opinion. And number two, by not doing the things you've always said you wanted to do. Mm. And what if you could just do that? right? What if you're unhappy, right? What if you just tried it? What if you just got out, right? We've all lived through our worst days because we're still here. 
Yeah. So there can't be anything we can't get through. And no. I'm pretty sure yeah, that and we can get through. Yeah. And what's, what, 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 what do the next 10 years look like for you? Yeah, where's the, where, where, where's this heading? You know, the, the, the very big vision is, you know, impact a billion people. But, but what, 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 what's coming down the line that we can expect to see from you over the next few years? See, I don't think a billion people is a lot anymore because of the power of the media we've got. Right. Like, you know, every person, I guess, like we've got, most of us have got a thousand friends on our Facebook page. Right. So, you know, each and every person knows a thousand people. Right. So we're kind of, we're two people away, four, two people away from a million people and you know, three people away from a billion, something like that. So we're not far off that number. So for me, it's, uh, I've got two goals. I've got a financial goal because uh, the money for me is very important. And I'll tell you why. It's not that what I want to do with the money, but it's the person it makes you. Like we have this chat, Andy, right? And I truly believe that, you know, to be able to get to seven figures, you've got to become a totally different person. Yeah. You can't wake up at nine o'clock. You can't do the things you do. So money is for two reasons. Number one, it builds you as a person. Like for you to become a seven figure person, like that's a crazy kind of person. Yeah. Yeah. You really create, not many people will be able to do that. So for me, it's, you know, the eight, the nine, the 10 figures, right? That number two, the more you have, the more you can give. As I say, the more you can help. You give away. Yeah. As I think is the, yeah. the generous spirit is really important. Yeah. To be able to give. So it's not what you can have, but there's only so much you can do for yourself. Right. And yeah. then, then after that, it's not about that, but it's about what you can do with it. So number, so there's that financial part and, and the bigger part for me is impact. I want, I want everyone to know about me before I die. I want to have a busy funeral. I want people to miss me when I go. I want people to remember me when I'm not here. I want them to go back to my YouTube channel, my Instagram page and watch the stuff that I've put out. And that's the reason that I put out what I do. And for me, that is, that's really what I want to do. And I want to make sure that people don't suffer. Mm. It's quite that's interesting. Really uh, Egyptian rulers, I, I read this thing about Egyptian rulers and they say that you are, you are never forgotten until someone doesn't repeat your name. Mm. And and that's why when they did succession, they would always in the hierarchy repeat the previous pharaohs' names, so oh, really? those pharaohs were never forgotten. And they said that that when your when your name is no longer spoken, You're that forgotten. is when you are forgotten. I think it's a really, really powerful sort of because that's what you're saying. You know, you're, yeah. you're, you you want to make your marks as people will yeah. remember who you are. It's, I think it's it's brilliant. And also, I suppose the other thing I, I love history, Mahmoud. There's the, the in the Roman uh, emperors and conquerors, they would have uh, a slave next to the Roman emperor saying, "You're only a man. You're only a man." You're only a man, so as they wouldn't feel themselves get so self-opinionated. I think it's it's, it's great to have that focus to oh. to want to be great and believe in yourself, but realise in reality you are just a man. You know, as as be your motivational speaker, touch a billion people. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you're Mahmood, who started off with this, yeah. you know, stuttering kid at yeah. eight years old, whatever it is. I love that. That's so true. Yeah, that is so true. And, you know, the stats show that most people have forgotten like two months after they die. Not by the family, hopefully. Right? But generally everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, and these days with, with you know, Facebook, Instagram and things like that, I mean, I believe that's where legacies will be built. It's no longer photo albums, right? It's no longer pictures, whatever. Mm -hmm. But this is where people can come listen to you all the time. Mm -hmm. Like I listen a lot to people who died a long time ago, but mm -hmm. their words are golden, yeah. right? Mm. Now, imagine if someone can be listening, like someone could be listening to this podcast 100 years from now. It'll, oh. it'll be on a different platform somewhere, whatever, when yeah, we're not yeah. here. But imagine how many people it could help. And for mm. me, that is, that's awesome. It's that's quite nice. Awesome. I've never really thought about that creation of a library of work yeah. as a legacy. 
which is, you know, yeah. upload your content, upload your messages. Because it's yeah, there, isn't it? Yeah, I've never thought about things that are important. And yeah. you don't know the impact it's going to have down the line. You know, yeah, you don't. And people, you know, we say about that thing about the power of words. You know, suddenly listen to a 30-second excerpt from something and it just changed their path for the better and, and they had a better life yeah. as a result of it. That's a powerful thing, isn't it? And I think the beautiful thing, and you must get it, Mahmood, in, in when you identify, you can say the same thing to three different people, but three different people take it totally different takes mm. on the one thing you've said because yeah. it depends where you are yeah. <laughs> when that is said to you and I, 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 that, I, I must have, I never really thought about that legacy thing you know as you say you've got your YouTube channels that in in days in the future it will still be there and people will look yeah. at it and it will resonate with someone yeah, it's yeah. got to resonate hasn't it it's yeah. unbelievable knowledge doesn't change right knowledge stands the test of time yeah right? yeah like what we're talking about right now will be relevant in 100 years yeah. yeah. Well, we, we were we were talking, weren't we? We were, we were laughing oh, was a few months ago about, you know, management styles and all this stuff. And we said, basically, human beings have been the same for the last 10,000 years or wherever it is. We all react in exactly the same way as we've always done before. Um, what happens is that our stimuli and our education and how we learn mm. has evolved and changed. But ultimately, we've still got the old hippocampus oh. sitting in our heads going, oh, yeah. oh. And it's it's that evolution, isn't it? You know, we are human beings, so we react in a way to certain things. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm delighted how it's going for you, Mahmoud. I really am. That's I, brilliant. I, I think it's 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 great. I think it's for you. It's obviously been a great journey. It's it's changed your life. I think it's uplifting for people who aren't happy doing what they're doing to see you as a. As, as a shining light of, of there is another way of doing things you know there there can be a, a better improved life but mm. people need to embrace and they need to change which I guess is a bit, large part of what you do well, but I, I think it's a great story what I should have said Mahmood at the beginning was I was uh, I saw you do your uh, your slot oh, yeah, at the you dentistry there, you? show yeah, yeah, you were there. I, I, was, I was standing on our stand and Mahmood I mean you, you must have had a, a totally full bunch of chairs with loads of people hanging around the outside and the engagement that you got from the the even I don't know if you remember it there was one bloke there who was looking a bit grey-haired and a touch grumpy because he okay. was he was very you know very sort of like closed but I noticed by the end of it this guy was was taking part and engaging and I thought that was a real for me the, the credit that you got from you know because there were some young yeah. funky guys who were really getting into it and there was this this old sort of guy who was yeah. sitting like this and it was almost like well come on in teach me motivate me motivate me I dare you to motivate me and, and at the end of it this guy was like joining in and I thought and that was only about was that 20 minutes 30 minutes or something yeah it was about yeah it was about 20 minutes he said for me I mean on that point what, um, if I can say something on this he I, I totally believe like us as dentists, it's all about impact. And when we can create that impact very, very, very quickly, we build up trust in people. And so it's like, you know, you have 20 minutes and yeah, it was uncomfortable doing the stuff I did. But for me, it's how do you, how do you network a room in the best way and just get on stage and, you know, put on a show where everyone wants to come and talk to you after. And so like, there's a lot of dentists out there, for example, right. Who aren't very comfortable getting up and speaking. And I feel everyone should. And so a lot of my 
time is spent with these dentists, turning them into great speakers, because that impact is huge. And see, there could be people across the world, right, which who could fly in to see a particular dentist, for example, right? And the only way they can reach them is through social media. And if you're not comfortable standing up and speaking on stage or on social media, or whatever, you'll never reach those people. Yeah. And I want to bring that in right now and to be able to help people achieve that. And that's what we're doing on one end. And on the other end, it's, it's, it's helping the other guys. But yeah, on that day, it's like even the most, even the most grumpiest of people want to be motivated. Yeah. It just made me laugh. It just, yeah. I just thought in such a short time span, you'd got a, a gentleman who wasn't going to engage and it was entertain me, engage me. And at the end of whatever it was, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, he was engaged. And and I just how thought, amazing if he brilliant. went away from that and reflected on it and thought, <coughs> well, yeah, actually, perhaps I could, you know, make a few tweaks. I and could learn something. I could, 60 I could, years old yeah, or whatever. I could do want. something and go about it. He's young way. these days, isn't it? He is. Yeah, exactly. yeah, boy, yeah. is it? Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Nearly there myself, so definitely Chris, Chris has to keep believing that. Mahmood, I've had an absolute blast. It's been fabulous. It's been brilliant. We always finish up just by asking our guests a couple of questions. We always ask the same question because we're interested in the, in the consistency of the of the responses, so we always and ask. The weirdness. Yeah, yeah, you get some funny responses. But if you could be the fly on a wall in a, in a situation, if there was a scenario playing out, and you could be a fly on a wall and watch what was going on, where where would you be? No, I'd be. Let me give you a scale, right? So there's two ends I'd love to be if, if I was a fly on the wall, right? Now, number one, I would love to be a fly on the wall in. In, in the boardroom where Elon Musk is, okay? Number one, that's the first place I'd love to be, right? Because someone with that level of thinking who can take on not just the world, but our space, I want to know how that guy makes decisions. I want to know what drives him. I want to know like how he gets rid of all the fear he has. Like, you know, what if your thing blew up? Like, I want to be around someone like that. I would love to be around. Okay, that's on one end, the really inspiring bit. Mm. The other place when you ask, I know this sounds really crazy, but I would love to be a fly in the plane when those planes hit 9-11. And okay, and the reason for that is, is for me, everything's about human psychology. And I would love to be able to understand what makes someone believe that they're doing the right thing when they're actually doing the wrong thing. Mm. And what it takes for someone to go through that. Because my thing is, if I could understand that, yeah, maybe I could stop it. Mm-hmm. And so to actually be there and understand what was going on and how can someone think they're actually right. Mm. Yeah, to, to up, crash that a plane, belief yeah. that I was doing yeah. something that was okay. Yeah. yeah, because they believed in it 100%. They're like, I'm doing the right thing. Now, where do you have to get to mentally to be able to believe that? Mm. Like, for me, that is like, if I could tap into that, like, wow, imagine how many lives you could change. Mm. Like, how many lives you could stop being lost. Yeah. So I know it's a massive spectrum, but yeah, no, no, that's no, right. No. I think I'd, I'd be very surprised if we're going to get an answer from anybody else. Oh, I'm definitely <laughs> surprised. <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let you know if we do. Uh, and then the last one is, if you could meet somebody, if you could um, sit down and, and, and meet somebody, who would you pick out of the of the either the seven and a half billion people we've got on the planet now or the, the billions that have gone before? Who would you like to spend some time with? I'd like to spend time with the same two people, Elon Musk and the guy who blew up the Twin Towers. Right. Seriously, yeah. yeah to be able to understand what goes on in a mind like that. Because when you can understand that differential between those two, I think you win a life. And for me, uh, it's about understanding psychology so well that you can save people's lives, that you can actually stop them doing crazy things. And I want to know what drives someone to do something so crazy. What has to happen to them for them to believe something like that? Mm. And on the other, and then on the other end, being with someone who can actually, you know, who can, 
who can have a plan that let's get out there on Mars and to actually put that together wow. and take every single fear out of the way. It's like, wow, imagine that. Like for me, yeah, that spectrum, those two people. Brilliant, Mamoud. Like I say, I always enjoy our conversations. I think you're, I think you're a fascinating guy. Uh, I Thank think you very much the for the things me, you've done yeah, and, and your approach is, is relentless. Um, you, you absolutely go all in on everything you do. And I think a lot of people can take, take something from that. Mm. Thank you. Thank you so much for the invite. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate great. your time. Cheers, Keep well. Cheers. Thanks Thank very you. much. The Mood Morty is an interesting chap, isn't he? Fascinating. I'll I tell you what, how long have we known him? We, 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 well, a, a good number of years. No idea about that story about the stutter. No. You wouldn't even know. Which in many ways is testament to how far he's come, how far he's changed. I don't know if recovers the right word, but mm. there's been such a dramatic change. You don't know. And, mm. and he's moved so far away from it, it's not part of him anymore. I'll tell you what I thought was quite fascinating was he has got a distinctive voice and we've always talked about his distinctive voice. And when at school he was ridiculed for his distinctive voice, I think it's now a distinctive door. Yeah, that, that people go, oh, yeah, yeah. mummy. It's, it's a fantastic, isn't it, how that, that transitions yeah. from, it's funny from how one husky, to another. I was like, as, as a kid, Husky... Uh, he saw that in a negative way, but actually, a lot of people think husky is, is quite an attractive. Yeah, You would when you talk to Mamou, do you remember who he is? Yes, that's you know, right. If and not disrespect to him because he says great content, but you'd remember his voice if oh, nothing no. else. I think the thing that stood out sharply for me was his ability to use and reflect on what had gone on in the past, and when he said that the dots always join up backwards, not forwards, mm. in that when you look back it's easy to see the things that have happened in your life that have got you to where you are. But I think for lots of people, they can't see that there are future dots yeah. and what that might look like in their future. Yeah, and, and I think it's quite interesting. You know, If I was to look at all the people we've spoken to, I think all of them, and including ourselves, there's a defining moment yeah. of something. It didn't sort of like evolve into it. You sort of, something happened. Yeah. Whatever it might be, there's, you know, I find it fascinating. You know, Mahmood had his. All, uh, I think if we go through all our other guests, there's been a moment when something has happened, something has dawned, they've seen the light, whatever you want to say, and that has then motivated. And then you wonder, is there lots of people who never see that light yeah. or do they see the light and just not do anything yeah. with it? And he's... They turn it out. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and I think now because he's doing what he's passionate about, um, his results are eclipsing what he did in dentistry mm. because he was clearly never particularly happy in dentistry. Yeah, which is amazing as well. Which, which is staggering. No, I like no, that. I'm sure the really listeners are going to take a lot from that episode. It was yeah, great. Brilliant. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dentology where we discuss the business of dentistry. If you like what you heard, please do subscribe where you found this episode. That would be amazing. And also follow us on Instagram.